Hello, and welcome to episode two of Bond Air. I'm your host, Jesse Longo. I'm an LVT uh, at Bonven, Medical Operations Manager. Hello, hi, hi, hi. Um, I am so excited uh, to host episode two of our, our Bond Air podcast, where we are recording live from New York Vets. So if you're watching live on Twitch, uh, you will see people in the windows looking at us, staring at us. Um, that is not because uh, we just invite randos into our studio. That is because we are on the middle of the Javits Center floor. Um, we are so, so excited for this talk, um, where I have some very, very amazing individuals uh, to discuss a really important topic in our industry, diversity, equity, and inclusion in veterinary medicine. Um, to kick us off, I will uh, introduce our first doctor, um, Dr. Gabby Faudel. Um, Gabby is an experienced general practitioner and first a veterinarian at Bonvet. Uh, she recently uh, transitioned from medical director in Cobble Hill to our director of primary care with an emphasis on medical quality and patient safety. Uh, she has a special interest in dentistry and maintaining uh, the unique bond that people share with their pets uh, through accessible veterinary care. Hi, Gabby. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Get a little bit more into the mic there. You can move it. You can move it closer. Hello. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, how are you feeling, Gabby? Feeling good. Really excited about this topic. Really uh, excited to be here and um, to be having this conversation with all of you today. Amazing. Uh, next up, we have Dr. Stephanie Silverstang, uh, primarily an emergency uh, veterinarian who also works in general practice in home care and shelter medicine. She believes the best way to advocate for uh, animal adoption and welfare is to address the racial and economic disparities that exist for people. Hello, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. How are you feeling? I'm very excited. This very excited. Is absolute jam. Um, this is the topic that I want to spend all my time talking about. And so I'm grateful to be here. Amazing. I'm, we are happy to have you. I'm so happy to have such passionate folks um, discussing such, again, an, an extremely important topic. Um, for our, uh, our, our very special guest, Zooming In, um, we have uh, the honor of hosting uh, Dr. Lisa Greenhill. Let me transition so everyone can see you. Yay! Yeah. Um, Dr. Greenhill uh, is a member of the AAVMC. Uh, she joined in 1996 and has worked um, for the association on three separate occasions. Most recently, she joined the AAVMC in 2004 as the Associate Executive Director for Institutional Research and Diversity before becoming Senior Director for Institutional Research and Chief Diversity Officer. Her work primarily focuses on the ongoing development and implementation of the Diversity Matters Initiative at the national and local levels, as well as promoting the veterinary medical profession within underrepresented, underrepresented and marginalized communities. Lisa also directs the association's national research agenda. She collects and analyzes data and produces reports related to academic veterinary medicine to include the applicant pool, enrollment, institutional economic impact, and diversity. She's earned a master's degree in public administration with a specialization in health policy from George Mason in Fairfax, uh, Virginia, and uh, an ID in higher education, uh, administration, and uh, organizi organizational change um, from Benedictine uh, University. Lisa. Hi. Hello. Thank you for, for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be a part of this conversation this morning. 
Uh, we are we are so pleased to have you. Um, as I was saying before the show, we we have we have some some fanning over here. Um, to have such an influential person person in our uh, industry is is so fantastic, and I think um, we're we're really excited to to get really deep into this topic. I know you have a short amount of time, um, so it'll be quite difficult to obviously to touch on everything. Um, but I know that our guests um, really really wanted to to kind of focus on um, this. The idea of the human-animal bond um, as it's kind of strengthened through uh, recent events uh, of COVID um, and then the kind of barriers that kind of existed, uh, of course, to accessible care, if it's um, socioeconomic, geographic, knowledge-based, um, how all of these things can kind of result in uh, the biases that it can, may exist in our clinics um, and how we can kind of address them. So I know I want to I kick it to Gabby uh, first to, to prompt us. Um. Yeah, thank you. So I think that um, these kind of insensitive conversations tend to exist in our clinics more and more these days. And I just wanted to just kind of bring some knowledge and awareness around these conversations and these kind of sentiments that tend to arise of, um, you know, this, this, this client has no money or uh, they can't do anything today. And why are these clients owning a pet? And so why do they even come if they can't afford the care? And so I think I would love in this short time that we have to be aware of these kind of language that we're having and how it could be hurtful, how it can cause these um, kind of sentiments and negativity within the clinic setting. Um, and it impacts everyone, right? Not just the team, but the the client and of course the patient, the animal first and foremost. And so, um, you know, just want to put this out there and try and change this dialogue a little bit, how we could um change our language and change our tone to be a little bit more sensitive, be a little bit more thoughtful um, with the words we choose and having a better understanding why that is just not appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Gabby and I, you know, we were given this opportunity. We're like, what could we talk about? And of course, feel free to make this a series, but um, of you know, course, what do we do in 30 <laughs> minutes? Um, and well, words matter. You know, what can we do on a daily basis to, ch to change that um, that feeling, which will eventually, you know, always carry weight um, as things move forward. And, and another point to what Gabby said is, you know, we say these things about clients, but when I work, you know, in a bigger corporate ER and people say things like, well, they have no money. I know that the entire support staff, which tends to be black and brown people in veterinary medicine, when most of the veterinarians are white, they can't afford the care that they are they are physically providing to other people's pets. So I think it affects everybody the way that we speak about the care that we provide and the people that we provide the care for. So yeah, I'm gonna um, hop in here. I think that that um, this is such an important topic and one that I um, rail about regularly on Twitter. <laughs> frankly, <Yay. laughs> I'm on Instagram, uh, but you know, you got to rail. <laughs> you know, and, um, I think that that 
one, there's a lot of um, judgment around what pet ownership should look like, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's very much um, akin to lots of other kind of social standards that, that and norms that exist in society where something is supposed to look like the, um, X, right? And if there's any deviation, then clearly that's less than, that's bad. Um, and, and so, you know, this idea that pet ownership should always look the same communities is for me a non-starter right like why why would that even be right we have a lot of folks that think um that believe in a lot of mythology frankly um, about what the human animal bond looks like in communities of color you know i'm constantly fighting back. well you know black people don't like because of the civil rights movement and i'm like no we we have issues with the people who use the dogs. Yeah. As, the as weapons. Use weapons against black people. Yeah. Like we can make that a little bit more specific. Right? And so, um, you know, but yeah, we hear these things and more importantly, hear the, you know, hear these things in the clinic, but more importantly, we feel them mm-hmm. in the clinic. We feel yeah. that yeah. judgment. People feel that judgment. It rolls off of us. And and so why would we come back? (laughs) Right. Right, Especially when we know that access in and of itself is a real challenge for lots of people in society. Access is 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 really um, you know, to healthcare, human healthcare and animal healthcare can be really challenging. And so when you have someone there and then you're like, you're a terrible pet owner because, you know, you didn't bring your animal in and then you didn't bring your animal in early enough. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. All of, you know, the cascading um, questions that are full of judgment. Like, why? Why would I? I mean, I'm just going to give my dog baby aspirin and Robitussin. Like, don't do that. Just- yeah, <laughs> I know you're just making a point. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. yeah, I think that judgment point is so so important. Really, and so frequently yeah. overlooked. Um, that that judgment, that tension that's in the room that you can cut through People is know. just yeah, palpable. 100%. And it's just like it, it, exactly like you're saying, Dr. Greenhill. It's like you know, I am I've gotten to the point where I finally you know gotten the the just the gone over the fear of not just the judgment, but the news I'm about to hear about my beloved pet. You know, I know that too real. I was just going, I was railing myself to Stephanie about my own cat who's totally fine, but I'm like, something is happening. You know, that fear of hearing what's to come. And then you're met with not just bad news potentially, but also judgment and that that poor tone, it's just, it's awful. And so I think that's such an important point that you bring up um, that and we there's also, oftentimes don't think about. Yeah, and there's so much that goes with that too. It's like, you're worried about bad news, maybe because the last time you brought your pet in, you know, you, you got bad news, but it's also like, well, what took you so long to get here? Your pet's really sick. It's like, I needed time off of work. I need mm-hmm. transportation. I need the ability to get here and to get the funds to also, you know, again, as, as working usually in the ER, the cost of care, you know, people need to prepare for that. And it's not always the privilege of being able to just walk in and say yes, isn't afforded to the majority of, of people that we see. Um, so, um, yeah, it's just, I think it's a, it's a big picture, but you're right in saying the judgment, right? It's like, well, your pet needs this. It's like, okay, well, we need to give, also give people options that meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, speaking to the mythology that you speak of, you know, when we're talking about people of color and specifically black people with pets, um, you know, I've, I feel like that starts, you know, at my, my whole passion is when you get the pet, right? How do you get a pet as a black person? Um, and adoption is my jam. Like I love animal adoption. You know, Jesse worked at the ASPCA. Yeah. I wanted to say that. And Gabby also, you know, cares a lot about shelter medicine. It's like, who do we deem worthy of having pets and, um, and how do we provide those people care? It always comes back to judgment. Absolutely. Regimental. It's something too that I like it, it really, even in, like, even in within like a, an organization like the SPC or even like any shelter med um, that I've worked in that e even though we're there to serve those communities, that judgment, even like even there still so exists. Um, where and, it's, your, and your support staff probably watching people be judgmental to the clients. Right. And then they're probably experiencing the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those, those, um, that, that judgment about ownership is so persistent. You see it on TV, you see it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love like pit bulls and parolees, but I'm like, seriously, like we're doing <laughs> <Yeah>. like, like <laughs> seriously, you know, and I'm, I'm very transparent and I tell people all the time that, you know, the, the dog that I have now, his name is Barkley. He's a Yorkie mix Cute. and he's adorable. Um, but like I ended up getting him out of, um, you know, from Craigslist and, you know, we were in a dark parking lot at <laughs> nine o'clock at night. Yep. 40 miles away from my house, like buying, you know, getting this dog. And we resorted to that because we tried to adopt through other means um, rescue. We had, you know, identified a number of animals that we were interested in. The application process was tedious. Um, and then the they least. wanted home visits. Right. Yeah. And I, at the time I had just become an adoptive mom of a human. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, no, we've had social workers in right. my house yeah. the last like year. <laughs> yeah. The last thing that we're gonna do is have somebody come up in here and judge me mm -hmm. yeah. um, behind a dog. Like, and don't get me wrong, I adore of my course. dog. But I was just like. <laughs> Come on, like yeah. seriously, like here's my home study from the human that the state of Washington literally allow is allowing me to finish raising. Like, so you know, I think I'm good. That's interesting. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the process would be, yeah. It's, uh, uh, and all of the application process is coded, right? Do you have a yard? Do you own? Yeah. What's your income? Mm -hmm. What's your employment status? You know, what's your zip code? Um, yeah. All of those things. It's just just coded language for who do we deem worthy of having yeah. a pet. Um, which brings us back to what we're we're going to try to talk about, which is the language <laughs> we use in in the vet hospital. And so Gabby and I were talking about like one of the big ones, and we hear the sentence all the time. You present them with an estimate. I'm often presenting estimates, $10,000, $10, you know, $5,000, $3,000. And the person who did the estimate comes back and, and says the sentence, they have no money. <laughs> they have no money. And so you're using language like, these people don't have the privilege to spend $3,000 on a pet today mm -hmm. is so different to me than saying they have no money. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times Gabby and I were chuckling because it's like you bring them an $8,000 estimate and they're like, they have no money. Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, well, they only have $6,000. You know, <laughs> it's like, OK, like, right. let's yeah. let's like you said about, you know, um, you know how we're talking about pet ownership. Let's be more specific. Yeah. Let's get specific yeah. in the language that we're using yeah. and be accurate you know, with it. And well, I think just I mean, having, we, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dr. Bruno. 
I was going to say, you know, we think of of class on this binary where like people right. have money or they yeah. don't have money versus the the reality that it's a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 give people options. I mean, I my previous dog needed supposedly needed back surgery. The reason why we couldn't, I mean, it was like eight thousand dollars. Now mm-hmm. there was a part of me that was like, take my money, right? But <laughs> but you know. Fortunately, unfortunately, the dog had a skin infection. We couldn't do this, mm-hmm. the surgery right then. So I got a second opinion and, you know, six weeks of prednisone fixed the problem for like $10. The cheapest so, medication. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, you have to give people options and you have to ask them, what can they do versus, well, here's your only option. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love the point you make how it's so binary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when we are taught as veterinarians, you know, we're always taught this gold standard of care. The gold standard of care, it's ideal to do the gold standard. And sometimes us vets out of fear of messing up, fear of not doing enough, fear of being sued, um, think that there's no alternative to the gold standard of care when oftentimes we forget there is at the very least a standard of care, mm-hmm. yeah. which is more than enough in in most scenarios, yeah. if not all. And so I feel like there are times where because of that fear, we find it hard to find options or we find to do find it hard to do plan B, C, D, E yeah. when like you to your point about the back surgery, a lot of the times, not all, of course, but a lot of the times we can manage something medically. We could do something with the quote unquote no money. And so I think, again, to your point, Steph, how you're saying, you know, instead of they have no money, it's this is what we can do today. Um or even asking the client, like, I understand this is a big estimate. I understand that this is difficult for most people, including myself, to be able to drop at this moment in time. But what can we do? How can we help your pet today? What do we have to work what with? What do we have to work yeah. with? Let's have a pretty candid conversation if you're comfortable. Um, I think that just makes a world of a difference in forming that relationship with that client, with that pet, and one that will last, that trust that will be there, the fact that they won't feel judged so that they will return. And then ultimately, you know, to your surprise, you might find, great, we can do this next time or we can work with this. So why Gabby? I think you're discussing the human animal bond. Actually, the veterinary, what is it called? The veterinary client patient relationship. Yeah, the VCPR. Thank you, the VCPR. And I think that you make like such a good point. We act sometimes, maybe with the gold standard, I'm the vet and I make the decisions and this is your pet, this is my patient. But what we're not taking into account is there's a third person Mm -hmm. in the room or sometimes a family or whatever. In a, in a shelter setting, right? Whatever. But what about looking at that person and saying, hey, I would love to do these things. I would love to do back surgery on your dog for $8,000. But guess what? Maybe that's not an option today. If understanding the risks that we're taking, how do you feel about trying a steroid? You know, and I'm sure that's a conversation. Hopefully you got a really nice conversation with a veterinarian. There's a, th- there's a third party in the room that that's part of the conversation. Yeah. You don't need to be the person who makes the decision and holds the line mm-hmm. because that's arbitrary and you don't really have the patient's best interest if you're, you know, if you have the, if you're upholding the binary. And let's agree that 
Anything that has a binary is problematic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If there's a yes. binary, there's a problem. Snap, snap, snap we on can, that. We can make bumper stickers. If there's a binary, there's a problem. There's a problem. Okay. Yeah. So one thing I want to just, you know, when we talk about these things and the and the bonds and and judgment and all of these kinds of things. And and Gabby, you mentioned, you know, the gold standard of care. And I'm always like, okay, so like what does that mean? Right. To me, it's kind of like code for, you know, the best and the brightest. And there's always mm. this um, desire to stretch the profession to its, its you know, mm. ultimate peak. Yes, totally supportive, not with people. Like that's just okay. not how people work. And part of it, I think, is this innate kind of competitiveness to offer the absolute best possible thing. And I'm like, that's not always rooted in reality. And it really does, it can undermine that bond that we're talking about, because then you're making folks feel like, you know, why do I have this pet? Do Can I not like really, you know, give this pet the best, air quote, the best, whatever that looks like. Um, and, you know, then there, there comes this shame, right? There just becomes, comes a lot of shame. Um, and none of that is healthy. None of that is good for anyone involved, including the veterinarian, right? Because then the veterinarian is also in this position where they are like, you know, oh my goodness, this client was mean to me because, you know, they couldn't afford it. They air quote, didn't have any money, blah, 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 versus really going and peeling back a few layers and saying, like, well, what is really possible in this moment that I can make this person feel secure about the quality of pet ownership that they are providing? We, I realize that in bringing their animal here, that is a demonstration of this bond, right? That is a demonstration of the bond. The Ooh. end. Yeah. And, I say that all the look, time. I'm yeah. like, they, I came here. How many people don't even come in? Yeah. How many pets well, how many die meetings at home? have we been to? Well, I'm always like, how many meetings have we been to about why people don't bring cats to the to the dang veterinarian? <laughs> like, and I'm like, it's because you know they're little hellions sometimes, but and getting yeah. in those carrier cases. But we spend and people time will make you feel shame about, about that too. Be like, your cat was really bad in the back. It's like okay. right. It's like, <laughs> you know, people feel shame, but we almost for his spend life. enormous amounts of hours talking about how to make that easier. And I'm always like, well, if you think that black and brown people don't have, have pets, then clearly these cat meetings must be about white people. Mm -hmm. So let's really yep. kind of <laughs> yep. Um, yep. normalize this idea that folks are struggling to provide the very best care that they can to the animals that they have and that they love those animals and that how access and care is going to look different in different places mm -hmm. for different people. And the profession has to be elastic and flexible enough to accommodate that. Yeah. And that's something we, you know, when you're saying what is the gold standard, gold standard is what you learn in vet school. Gold and the gold standard, if you had to define it, is what would you do with this pet if you were in a vacuum? Right. It's what what would you do if there was no there was no you had didn't have to get consent or um payment yeah, right that's yeah. what the gold standard is so truly your point is what is the gold standard it's right. it's veterinary medicine in a vacuum we never practice in a vacuum because right. you right. can't breathe in one it's negative pressure okay. um but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that's your point is that the gold standard is arbitrary because we there is always a, a pet owner and um we need to take that into account for sure yeah and and just to um kind of jump on what you were saying about people bringing the pet to the vet is already 
an amazing first step. I mean, some people will just wait it out. Let's just see what happens, Mm -hmm. which sometimes it works out by all means. But I think just taking the moment to say you did the best thing by coming in you're today. here, you're yeah. here. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you're here I'm so yeah. glad to be helping you out today I think is unspeakable in terms of the impact that you can have on that individual on that family on that pet mm-hmm. um, again that shame that judgment that um, you know that there's no place for that in the room in the practice and so we just need to um, kind of do our best to rid the the environment from those types of um yeah, watch your language words. yeah watch your language watch, yeah. watch your words watch your language exactly. watch your mouth watch your mouth you i was waiting for somebody that's to say that yeah watch your mouth yes but yeah totally <laughs> yes <laughs> and i you know i i wanted to also mention dr greenhill you had talked about biases and how these um, implicit biases exist. And and the thing that I took away most from your talk is that it's okay to have these. We all have them. Yeah. It's not anything to feel bad about or shameful or guilt. Mm-hmm. We all have them, but we need to be aware of them. Yeah. Oftentimes, yeah. a lot of these judgments are happening before the client even gets to the clinic. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, when we're talking way, about, you... you know, if they're if they're reading the record, you know, pet is oh. presenting for not eating for two weeks. Got right. it. Yeah, 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 conversations yeah. are starting. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, well, what were they doing for two weeks? Why mm-hmm. are they coming to me yeah. now? I can't wait to see what train wreck right. comes in. You know, it's just like all these types of things that we tend to say, rather than shifting that to okay, how can let me think of some different options okay. for this yeah. pet. Um, you know, I Thankfully hope the pet. Okay. Thank yeah. goodness that they're able to come in today. Um, so, you know, I think, again, just being aware of these types yeah. of things before, you know, and just kind of catch yourself in the moment. Be aware of it, understand it, and then move on uh, in a more positive way, I think is super important. Yeah. Dr. Greenhill, I'd yeah. love to hear, yeah, your your thoughts on just like what, I'm sure you're going to say it. Go ahead. She's I interrupted you. <laughs> no worries. No, I mean, I think that that yeah, we all have biases. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's just a function of kind of, you know, neuroscience brain work. It, it's just trying to be efficient. Um, but when we become aware that we have these biases, then we also um, now have a responsibility to work to try to eradicate them or you know um, bring about equity. And and I think that that part of that that um, kind of part of addressing that is assuming good intent, right? Mm -hmm. Like rather than going, oh my goodness, this is a train wreck of an animal that this person is bringing in, like really saying, wow, this is really great. Um, I know it must've been a challenge. Tell me about the last couple of weeks Um, and good for you for making this step. Right. Um, And really kind of being giving some of that positive encouragement for folks that may really need it. Because, again, like, yeah, if your dog hasn't eaten in a while and, you know, they're bringing them in and they're really sick, they need encouragement more than your judgment. And that is also going to benefit that animal. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, If you're kind of bad mouthing, whether it's in the back, you know, back of the house or you're giving off really icky energy, they're going to know. And that animal is is not going to get whatever that version of gold standard might be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, you know, when we're talking about, you know, treating pets um, and the 
the people that come with them, you know, so many people are like, I want to be a veterinarian, you know, and it's because uh, I like people better or I like pets better than people. I like animals better than people. Dogs are better than people. People love to say that. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a person attached to each animal that you're asking to care for them, you know, to, the compliance there. And, and um, you know, you can't treat an animal that's not attached to a person. Um, so it is it is a um, something to keep in mind as far as, um, you know, we do need to learn to build relationships often very quickly. And, and like you said, just that intro of, of, um, encouragement versus shame, Mm. it's going to flip the switch very quickly Mm. on what you get to do. And if you truly care about animals, you have to care about people. Absolutely. Um, I think as we're, as we're winding down, I know we can, we can talk a lot about this. I wanted to get, um, everyone's kind of closing thoughts too, and how we can bring this conversation into our clinics. Um, I think that's really important, especially for the, the folks listening. I think we've touched on a lot of, um, a lot of things in this conversation, uh, as it pertains to just being that example and being that kind of positive influence on the team and, and bringing that awareness, um, to to our team in in this in the way that we are calling out these biases um, within ourselves, um, and then ensuring that we're kind of correcting any language, um, and making sure that everyone trusts their mouth. Um, but uh, I would love to hear. I kind of we can go around and say like I, either things that you've done in your own clinics or or lessons that you've um, been able to kind of learn as as having that influence on your team and being able to kind of share in that awareness. Yeah. Um, so I I think we didn't really touch on this in this conversation, but I do want to call it out is that um, one barrier um, to accessible care is, is knowledge based. And so I think a lot of the times um, rather than passing judgment, we can use that as an opportunity to, to teach and educate. And so, you know, you, you brought up cats and cats, how do they need to go to the vet? And, you know, yeah, cats, are, cats. cats are, my favorite. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think a lot of people aren't even aware that, a cat should go to the vet once a year. And if that's something that we can do, it's something that we can potentially prevent disease and and long-term struggle for the pet, for the owner. You know, it's something that preventive medicine is a real thing. And, um, you know, if we take that time to just say, you know, hey, this is actually a recommendation that we have, whether we could do that today or not, it's okay. But I just want to take a moment to tell you about it if that's okay. And so having that education, that knowledge will arm that client, will, you know, benefit that pet in the long run. Um, And so taking that moment to provide that knowledge, to provide that education, to have that learning with that client, I think will in the long run benefit um, everyone, uh, including the vet and the team. Um, So, you know, just, and I know that we as vets, we are teachers, whether we like it or not. And then in kind of kind of putting that on the team as well, they will lead by your example. I think um, as veterinarians, we don't realize how much we, our actions and our behavior will bleed into the team yeah. and how they behave. And so if you lead by that example that, hey, let's use this as an opportunity to teach, to help um, to help everyone grow, I think the team will follow suit. The culture, and the, the culture vibes. will help. Yeah. I mean, and and we all know being in the veterinary field, especially in the last few years, we can all benefit from a little better culture and and good vibes in the in the clinic settings. That's a really good point. I think that 
um, you know, I was going to talk about, and it just goes into that of, of the influence you have on the team that you work with, you know, they are your coworkers and you're all teammates. Um, but I guarantee certain teams talk differently around different doctors or different people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being the leader in that and saying, Hey, we don't really talk, um, about people that way. Or, um, you know, I have the opportunity sometimes to teach interns and that feels like an opportunity you know, they learn the medicine, I'll teach them the medicine, all the cool stuff. How are we teaching them to, to speak about other people, communicate? And so for me, it's a lot of, they have no money. Hey, you know, actually the way we're going to talk about it is X, Y, Z, or, you know, things I see all the time, people looking up addresses, um, people coming back upstairs after meeting the client, they're not going to have a lot of money, I think, you know, hey, let's not base things on how people look or where they live. Let's meet them where they're at. Let's let's talk about people with the dignity and respect that they deserve and setting that as an example, um, you know, and to the best of my ability, not lecturing and feeling judgmental. <laughs> Sometimes that's really hard for me, but saying this is how I'm going to speak about people and hopefully leading by example so that the rest of your team knows, okay, Dr. Silver saying in the building today, hopefully that bleeds into their other teams, but you know, we're not gonna, we're not going to do some of the things that maybe we would. Um, and, and, and maybe we could all, you know, and I think people feel the same respect um, yeah. probably within my team that we're showing other people. Mm-hmm. So definitely. So um, I'll just add uh I guess a challenge for for um, okay veterinary healthcare providers, and that challenge really is to imagine yourself at the end of the leash, right? Um, and and um, you know, even more importantly, imagine that um, you at the end of the leash are dependent on this healthcare system, and how you know what would that feel like, right? I personally. Um, so, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, I personally believe that healthcare is a right, right? Access to healthcare is a right. That's, that's my own kind of, you know, framework. Um, and so, and so we have a lot of folks that don't have access, right? Um, and they're minimized or whatever, and marginalized at the, at the margins can be discriminated against all kinds of things. And, um, you know, veterinary medicine is, often, you know, fee for service and versus that third party payer. And so oftentimes we don't realize just how expensive healthcare can be. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean that everybody is going to get, you know, the kidney transplant, sadly, it doesn't mean that everybody is going to get their eczema treated, sadly, but it does mean that we have a collective responsibility. Um, you know, if, if veterinary medicine is committed to animal health care, then guess what? I'm not saying you shouldn't make money. I'm not saying any of those things, but really kind of reimagine yourself at the end of the leash or without human health care and what that experience and the, you know, how we talk about those folks in society writ large um, and the challenges that come with that. There is that still that shame. There's still that judgment. There's still folks seeing saying, no, no, that poor person on the street does not. And, um, you know, is not entitled to health care. I happen to believe that that person on the street and the dog that keeps them company both deserve some health care. Um, I don't, 
I can't say I know how it all can work out, but I would just say, imagine the compassion and the empathy that is necessary to really truly require, I mean, to, to deliver a different kind of gold um, standard of care. Mm -hmm. That standard should not be, um, you know, a clinical manifestation of surgery or medicine or whatever. Um, Sometimes the manifestation of the gold standard of care is compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. And and I think that sometimes we've lost our way in, um, you know, we've lost our way in thinking about that because we are so polarized. That was beautiful. That was what a, what a, yeah. What a gold standard is compassion, empathy. I love it. I think that that's, that's, that's also going up in the clinic. There's, we're, we're holding back tears in here, Dr. Um, uh, What a, what a, what a way to close, uh, close out this conversation. Um, I, I I know I want to be mindful of your time, doctor. Um, Please, uh, you have the floor if you have, want to close us out with any, any, any plugs, any, anything you have upcoming. or, or any final thoughts for our, our audience and our and our teams? Well, it's it's been a, a joy to participate. Um, so thank you for inviting me. I'm glad that um, my schedule worked out. Um, I would encourage folks to certainly check out my podcast, Diversity and Inclusion on Air, um, AAVMC's Diversity and Inclusion on Air. Um, we talk a lot about these kinds of topics and who knows, maybe there'll be some invitations um, to come Ooh. and continue this conversation okay. uh, <laughs> on my show. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then, you know, certainly we have lots of other programs at AVMC. Be sure to just check us out on social media or on our webpage, avmc.org. Amazing. Thank, thank you so much. Thank yes. You. Thank you for all the amazing work that you do every single day. Um, thank you to uh, our, our in-studio guests. You're fantastic. I'm so happy to be able to share this um, the stage with you guys um, and again, amplify these amazing, amazing ideas and voices. Uh, that has been episode two of Bond Air. We will be um, live again in a couple of hours, talk about atypical Addisonian cases. So (laughs) big vibe shift, big vibe shift, but uh, still important, still important. Um, I think think it's going to be really fantastic. So again, this will be available on on Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts afterwards. Um, The video will be up uh, on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash bondvetny. Um, And thank you again to everybody here. We'll see you soon. Um, Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.